0: Talking about what it's like to be in the pits of life, and uh, that all of us go through them; that they're um, they're they're unavoidable uh, in most in, in pretty much most cases, and, and a lot of them they just look different. And today, maybe your pit looks different than the one that uh, than, the, than your neighbors. But some of them are things like this: you're in a difficult marriage, and uh, it's um, you, you know, no end in sight. You know, or you're single and you wish you weren't. You know, you've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and it's like it just feels like you're stuck. You know, financial crisis, maybe, maybe everything's falling apart for you. Losing your job and, you know, all of a sudden your, your car breaks down and, you know, your appliances break down and you're living a country music song right now and everything, like your dog's dying and whatever else. And it's just like your, your life is, is kind of a mess. Maybe your kids are making poor choices and it's like, man, you you've thought you've done everything you could to raise them right and now they're, they're making the wrong choices and it's, it's just getting you. Uh, you're at that spot of, you know, hopelessness maybe. Maybe a physical illness. And maybe the doctors say it's terminal. And, and for you, that just is the, a difficult, difficult place to be. And maybe for some of you, it's just that you just feel distant from God. You knew at one point, you're like, man, I, God spoke to me. I, I, I could hear his voice, but it's been a while. And you feel like you're just in that spot of despair. You're like, I don't know if he cares. I don't know if he's listening. I don't know if he hears. And uh, you may find yourself in one of those pits. Last week, we talked about how you end up in some of these pits. Sometimes you, you, you did it to yourself. You dug a hole and you jumped right in. You know, you did stuff that, that you know you shouldn't, and that's where you end up with the consequences of that. For others, it's been other people that have put you there. You know, it wasn't your choices, it wasn't the things you decided, but others have done things or decided things. And because of that, you find yourself in a pit, a pit of despair or, or difficulty. And, uh, you know, for some, it's neither one of those. You just sort of slipped into a pit. It was this, this perspective that you have, you know, of the world or perspective that you have of life. And all of a sudden you just, you kind of wake up and realize, well, wait a second, I'm in a pit and I don't even know how I got here. Uh, to, however you find yourself in one of those pits, they're not always um, avoidable. But once you find yourself in one, there's a lot that you can do to uh, determine how life goes on, on the other side of that and while you're in it. We talked about that last week. I don't want to take too much time this morning because we don't have it. But but I do want to let you know that Jesus promised that you would have pits in your life. He promised you to have trials. He promised you tribulation. And like, what, he did? Man, I didn't, I didn't sign up for that. You know, even the disciples, when, um, when the cross happened and they were all taken off, Jesus had told them, listen, this stuff's coming and I want you to know. But you have options. When you end up in a pit, there's options. And we want to talk about that this morning. Because um, even in the Bible, the, the, whole, the whole idea, and I want to remind you of something we talked about last week, is that what you're in, when you're in a pit, realize pr- first and foremost that God did not put you in that pit. He's not the one who decided, you know, hey, this guy, you know, his life is just too good. Uh, you know, he's not calling out to me enough. I've got to make sure he calls out to me. I throw him in the pit. I, I want to rescue him. We talked about that last week. It'd be like an ambulance driving down the road with nobody in the back and thinking, we've got to save somebody. Well, there's nobody to save. Okay, let's run someone over so we have someone to save. You know, you'd be like, that's crazy. Um, but sometimes we think of God that way. And what it does is it causes us, we would hate that ambulance driver for hitting us. We wouldn't be so grateful that he saved us. The perspective for us has to be that, that idea of, and realizing, understanding, if God didn't put me here, then he's the one that I can look to to get me out or to take, take me through. James chapter one, it says when trouble comes, not if trouble comes, saying when it comes. Your faith's gonna be tested and it's gonna produce something good in your life. It's gonna produce endurance in you, this steadfastness. It's gonna produce this maturity in you. As you walk, you realize I have a relationship with God. He's got a plan for my life. I'm walking this, this life with God and nothing's gonna knock you off that path. That only comes when that's tested. So if you're going through something, that's why he says, count it joy, because you're maturing, you're growing. If it doesn't kill you, if it doesn't take you away from Jesus Christ, it's only causing you to become a more mature follower of Jesus, a stronger believer in him, and to just to continue to walk that through. Uh, And and so we um, talked in in the Bible, there's there's options. Mark chapter 4 talks about the heart um, soil. You know, when the word of God comes into your life, there's different ways that it comes in. This morning, you know, you're hearing it spoken. Uh, and for you, you could be one of four people where, you know, you're just in la-la land right now. You don't, you don't have a sweet clue what's going on. You're just like, oh, man, how far is the nearest Tim Hortons from here, I wonder. You know, is it going to be long? Like, when's he done? And, you know, you, you're, you're like nothing is, nothing is getting through to you. And this will be a complete—you might as well go to Tim Hortons right now. I'll close my eyes so I don't see you leave. All right. Ah, oh, okay. Uh, you're glad you know, because you're here for a reason to, to, to have the word of God put put into your into your life this morning. But it, the thing is, just because you hear it, doesn't mean it's going to do anything for you. Uh, it says that there's some where the word of God comes into their heart and it right away grows. It's like, oh, that made sense. I get it. And then they leave, and it says tribulation, trial, tough times happen in their life. They end up in a pit, and they just like, oh, God was whatever. God's not real. You know, He doesn't care. And they be, it says they fall away. Uh, but then there's others. The Bible talks about the church in Thessalonica. We don't have time to turn there. But jot some of these, these references down so you can check them up later. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul sends Timothy to this church and says, listen, I hear you guys are going through troubles. And be like sending them here and saying, hey, Kingsway, I heard some of you are going through some troubles. We sent Timothy because, well, we're going through a lot of trouble here ourselves, but, but we want to know how you're doing. Is your faith remaining strong? So Timothy goes and he returns and, and Paul sends this letter to him and says, you know what, I can see that your faith has remained strong. That through troubles, you didn't turn on Christ. You didn't throw out the hope that you have, but you held more fast to that. And, and so that's my, my encouragement to you. Which one are you? When you find yourself in a pit, is God like the, the, just like, oh man, that the feelings of God doesn't care. You know, it's just, oh, it's, it's, oh, it's terrible. I pray, but God doesn't answer, so I'm just given up. I'm quitting on that. Who needs God anyways? Or is there this thing that says, you know what? God, I need you more, more than yesterday. God, I need you more today than ever before. I, I need you more than the air I breathe. I need you more than this next heartbeat I have. I need you if, if this is gonna happen. It just draws you closer to him. Which one are you? This morning as we... Um, we, we look at it last week we we talked about a few points. you can find that I would say this uh, this morning that that it's part two of a of a of, of a message so please listen to part one especially if if some of this uh grabs you because you need both sides otherwise you you, you know you may think that i'm saying oh uh some well i'm saying things that i'm not saying and, and I want i I'm, you know, I want you to realize too that you know that where God, the part that he plays and the part that he doesn't. Um, realize that God didn't put you in the pit. Realize that, that um, you're not the only one in a pit. Realize that um, the, the love of God hasn't changed for you. Don't doubt that when you find yourself in a pit. And last week we ended with the thought of waiting. When you're in a pit, here's what you can do. You can wait. And you're like, we were talking about that. We had a lady in our Saturday night service said, if I keep waiting, I'm going to die, you know? Like, I can't wait any longer. This, this is terrible. And she's dealing with some physical Ill, um, ailments. It's like, I just can't wait. That's not what he was talking about. But he was talking about um, the same, the, the word waiting. We want to take a look at that. Psalm chapter 40, verse 1. What did David do when he found himself in a pit? Uh, the interesting thing about this psalm is that the first part is all that you've heard. It says, God, you rescued me out of the pit. But the, 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 what, the context of this actual writing, if you look at verse 11, David starts talking about, hey, Lord, don't hold back your tender mercies from me. In verse 12, he's like, troubles are surrounding me. There's so many to count. My sins pile up so high, I can't see my way out. They outnumber the hairs of my head. I've lost all courage. Wait a second, Dave, didn't you just get rescued from a pit? Yeah, but he's writing another one. He's like, Lord, please rescue me. Come quickly. So as he's writing this, He's not just been rescued from a pit, he's actually in a pit. So when you find yourself in a pit, you can learn from what David has done through Psalm 40 to say, you know what, if he was in a pit, that he doesn't really describe. He doesn't say, this is what this pit was. It just was, it was miry, it was mucky, it was slippery, and it was a a, a pit of despair, pit of hopelessness. That's what he found himself in, and that could be anything for you. So I want to encourage you when you find yourself in that place to, to, to think of some of the things that, that David did and to put those into practice in your life to see the same, the same things that, that you might be able to say at the beginning. Yeah, he rescued me from that pit. He took me out of that. Um, the Hebrew, it just says in, in um, uh, verse 1, it says, I waited patiently. That word's actually the same word. He says, I waited, waited for the Lord. And those, you know, I was talking about it last night with the grammar, and I was talking to code after. He's like, man, I was more confused after you explained that than before. So I'm going to try and do it a little differently today, so, you know, not to mess with y'all. But there's these, um, there's tenses. Basically, what he's saying in the first waited is, I waited the whole time. He says, I waited from the beginning until the end, until the answer. I didn't give up anywhere in between. And he says, the second waited is, while I was you know, while I waited from beginning to end, he says I was in a process of waiting the whole time. It wasn't like this ADD waiting, like oh God, you know, I'm going through this really tough stuff and like whoa, French fries, oh man, you know that's awesome. Oh, you know, Lord bless his food. And I'm like, oh, okay. oh wait, no, 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 I'm waiting for something. God, you're right. I, you know, I'm in this, I'm in this spot. God, I know you can take me. Whoa, shiny, let's go. And it's like this, this whole idea of ADD prayer where there was just absolutely no focus. Like when you when you're kind of going through a tough time, you're thinking about them, but it wasn't this constant God, you and me God you and me we're going through and we're getting through uh, and that's the, the idea of David saying when when he finds himself in a pit he's like my focus just gets from all of this straight just to him this is how I'm waiting on him I'm there's an intent in, in what I'm doing you know the good things in life they're, they're worth waiting for anybody ever eat a green banana can you just taste the feeling on your teeth right now as you, as we talk about that it's just gross, right? It's like you know that you should have waited two days for that banana to turn, to, to turn yellow and to be perfect. It's like, oh, it's great. You know, it's worth waiting two days for a banana to ripen. But if you're kind of in that waiting mode of whatever, you'll be the guy like me who comes after two days, but it's actually been six days, and there's this rotten banana, you know, in your office, and you're like, oh, you know, fruit flies everywhere. Why? Because you there wasn't this intention, intentional waiting. Intentional waiting is like my kids who wake up every morning and go, is it is it yellow yet? Is it ready yet? You know, can I have a banana yet? It's this whole thing of, I want it. It's worth waiting two days. You know, if you're going to have a baby, and ten of you are, there's, um, there's, uh, this idea of waiting. And when we say somebody's pregnant, what are they? They're expecting. So there's this idea of, you know, I'm not just waiting for it to happen nine months. There's this planning, and there's this there's expectancy that it's going to happen. That baby's on the way. Some of you are, you know, renoing a room to make room for this baby. Some of you are renoing your whole house just to make room for this baby. And, and there's this idea of expectancy that, that it's going to happen, and you're like, I know I'm going to have a baby. You're not thinking, oh, you know, go to the hospital, go through labor, and maybe it'll be a little cow, you know, or a little sheep or something. You know what it's going to be. You know it's going to be a baby. Uh, and, and boy or girl, maybe not. You know, what color hair, maybe not. But you know it's going to be a baby. There's an expectancy of what it's going to be. It's worth waiting nine months for that baby. You know, if you realize you're pregnant, are like, whoa, I'm pregnant. I'm going to wait nine days and then I'm having this thing. What happens? It ain't pretty. It doesn't survive. You know, you say it's worth waiting the nine months. Maybe you wait nine weeks and you try and rush that thing. Not pretty, it's not going to survive. And I want to encourage you That's worth waiting the nine months for a baby. For some of you in your teens, you're like, oh, I don't know, how does this relate to me? See, there's things like waiting for, uh, waiting for sex until you're married is something that's worth waiting for. But i got to wait years and years and years. Yeah, yeah, you might. But I'll tell you, it's worth waiting for. Some of these things when you realize, oh, you know, it's whatever, I can't, I don't want to wait, I don't, I don't have, there's no intention, I'll just kind of take life as it goes, it will, it will take you as it goes. You know, there's no condemnation for those of you who are like, oh man, I was that person, you know, uh, you know I'm married now. But how many you, I, in all the counseling I've ever done, I've never had anybody say to me, oh man, I wish I had sex with more people before I got married. You know, I just really regret that, you know, I couldn't have told my wife about how good she was compared to at least a hundred other women. Ne- never heard that. A- and yet, the reason I want to say this this morning so some of you, you know, there's this thought that, oh, the movies and all that stuff is so true. If, if that's what love really feels like, oh, that's what it's going to be. He says there's this idea of being intentional and waiting and saying, you know what, I'm going to get there. I, because it's worth waiting for. I can tell you that, you know, marriages, there's marriages on life support because of the idea of not waiting. This idea of thinking we're going to rush things. And you know what, I'll tell you something. As you're going through pits in life, maybe that's that single and waiting to get married. Pit, you feel you're, feel you're in, wait it out. Wait it out intentionally, but whatever it is, wait it out, because on the other end of waiting, there's something good. Um, David did some, a couple other things. Um, Psalm 40, verse 1, it says that he waited patiently for the Lord to help. He says, he turned and heard my cry. So it wasn't just he was waiting, it says he was crying out to the Lord. And I want you to notice a couple of things here. When you find yourself in a pit, David says he cried out to God, but it says he cried out to him first. I saw this thing on, uh, on a little poster that said, when all else fails, pray. I was like, oh, like, 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 like. Well, that sounds really good. You know, but it's really not that good. The, you know, the Bible says pray first. You know, it's like when all else fails, it's the last thing we do. Oh, God, I tried everything else. I'm going to pray. He, he's saying, go there first. Cry out to God first. Sometimes we, uh, we fail to cry out to God because we're busy trying all of our other stuff. Sometimes we, we, we don't cry out to God because we don't realize we need him. You know, the, the most dangerous pit is the one you don't realize you're in. Some of you here, you don't know the Lord this morning. You feel like, you know what, I'm not a really bad sinner. I, you know, I, I haven't done a lot of bad stuff. You know, I'm kind of a good sinner. I need a little help every once in a while with some things, but, but I don't need a Savior. That's a pit that you don't realize you're in. That's a pit where the ending is, is, is an eternal pit. That, there's a, there's a re- realization that every one of us will stand before Christ one day and we'll have to give an account for our lives. And it won't be the good things versus the bad things. It'll be what did you do with Jesus? Did you receive the free gift of salvation? I, I did everything for you. Did you receive that? Did you, uh, did you re- believe that, that Jesus really did die, really did live on this planet, really gave his life for you? Do you, do you believe that? And have you uh, said, God, you're boss in my life? I, I'm not anymore. If you haven't, you're in a worse pit than than any of the other ones you think you might be in. I would encourage you just to call out to God from that place this morning and see one of the greatest miracles, which is salvation, which is change, which is freedom on the inside. You know, sometimes we don't cry out to God from the pit we're in because we've made it home. We've moved the lazy boy in. We've put up curtains, and we're like, this is my pit. This is where we've given up the hope that we'd ever be free of that pit. We just decide it's been so many years, and now it defines you. You know, anybody talks to you, the only thing you ever talk about is that pit. Oh, my marriage sucks. You know, my relationships are sucks. I'm broke all the time, and it's like this this idea. We no longer call out to God. We just we accept our addictions. We just say that's kind of where we are, and we stop crying out to God. He says, "Listen, don't just wait with this unending waiting." He says, "Wait with this idea of I'm still calling out to God, no matter what, every single day. God, I'm crying out to you." He says, "Until he hears that cry, because he does." The th- third thing that David did is he trusted God. Psalm 40, verse 4, it says, Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord, who have no confidence in the proud or in those who worship idols. And he's saying this. He's saying that, you know, you can be tempted when you're in the pit to find another way out. The, the pit that you find yourself in, there's other ways out. Sometimes we think it's us. We're going to keep trying. You know, we've tried and tried and tried to get out of the pit we're in, but, and we can't, but we're going to try one more time because we think we can do it. The thing that we talked about last week is the, the, the idea of the pit is that it is too much for you to handle. You, the only way you get through that is with him and, and reaching out to him and trusting him. We, sometimes we rely even on our own spirituality. We rely on this faith that, that we have that, that, or our own prayers. If we can just get those right where God's going to do something, we're going to get out of this pit. And you know, I told the story before and I tell it today. There's a guy who's walking, he's hiking out, you know, on the edge of a cliff. And all of a sudden he slips and he falls off. Halfway down, he grabs a branch and he's hanging there just above, you know. He's got rocks and waterfall underneath of him. And he's got like an impossible climb above him. And he's like, oh man, you know, I got to pray. Dear God, please save me. And sure enough, a couple hikers walk along the top, and they're like, hey, buddy, you want us to throw you a rope? He's like, nope, nope, God's going to save me, I'm good. And it's like, okay, fine. And they take off. Then a canoe paddles up on the bottom. These two guys down there are like, hey, buddy, you want us to like, put out a, a net for, to, to catch you? He's like, no, no, God will save me. He's like, oh, okay, okay, no problem. They take off. Then a helicopter with a bullhorn. Hey, buddy, you want us to throw down your ladder? We'll, we'll, we'll lift you up. No, 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 it's good. God's going to save me. Sure enough, the branch breaks. He falls, crashes on the rocks below, and he dies. Ends up in heaven. God says to him, hey, what are you doing here? He's like, what am I doing here? I was going to ask you the same thing. I thought you were going to save me. And He says, I tried. I sent two guys on hiking. I sent two guys in a canoe, and I sent a helicopter. I didn't take any of them. Why do I say that? Because sometimes you are going to need some of those other things. The, the, The idea of trusting God is that it's trusting him First. Some of you run to the doctor first and you think, oh, that's what it's all going to be. And when everything is negative and it's all at the end, then you pray. But some of you are the opposite. Some of you are like, oh, it's just God only. You know, just God, I'm not going to go to the doctors. I'm not going to go to marriage counseling. I'm not going to go to a financial planner. I'm just going to pray. Just God's going to do it all. And guess what? Sometimes he isn't. Sometimes he's going to use people in your life to meet that need. But that's a part of, tr- he says, trusting God first. Trust him first. We can be tempted to look to worldly wisdom. In, uh, in the Old Testament, real quick, there's a story of a, of a king named Asa. They called him Good King Asa, and he trusted the Lord, it says. His little country got attacked by an Ethiopian army of a, of a million people. That million-person uh, army came against him, and all he says, God, we're like outnumbered in huge ways. We're not winning this. He says, but God, I'm going to trust you that you'll fight for us, and God wipes them out and wins the battle for him. But then in that, in, in the winning of the battles, all of a sudden he was like just kind of coasting through life, And the life, his country was blessed. His kingdom was blessed. And in that, he became kind of complacent. And then it says he got attacked by this smaller country uh, named Israel, which is kind of a brother country to them. Attacks him. And what happens then? He says, oh, you know, he he phones and sends a text to the king of Syria. Hey, you know, the the buddies are against me. I need you to back me up, bro. He's like, "Uh, I'm not your bro, but for a million bucks, I'll back you up. Okay, done. You know, and so he texts him, sends it off. and, And the king of Syria comes over there. And it says the king of Syria starts attacking Israel on the other side. And Israel's like, whoa, we're not going to attack this guy anymore. Let's, let's go defend ourselves there. And King Asa goes, wow, look, it worked. And the, the, the thing is that later on a prophet came to Asa and says, why didn't you trust the Lord? Why why'd you go and just think you could trust earthly wisdom? Because that's what all the other kings would have done. He says, because of that, you know, there's, a, there's a, a curse on your life. There was a sickness that came on his life as a result of because he didn't trust God. He says, trusted the kind of the wisdom of the world. Can I tell you something this morning that affects us today? Do you realize that most addictions happen in our lives as a result of us trying to get out of a pit without trusting God? Because those addictions promise a freedom that, that we think we can have. Uh, young people, I, I, somebody sent me a, a, a Facebook status of a young girl. She said this. Mom, you, this was her status. Mom, you told me that drugs are bad, dangerous, addictive, deadly, etc. But you never told me that they would help me forget the pain that is my bleeping life. And for her, it was her thought of, yes, as I'm taking these drugs, it helps me forget the pain that is my bleeping life. And it works for a while. See, some of you thinking, you know, drugs might be the answer. Because it works, but it only works for a while you end up back in a deeper pit than you'd ever hope to get out of. For those of you who have conquered addiction, you know, you guys are free of it. You would, you would agree with me that these years that it, that, that it was wasn't worth it. You know, for some of you, you know, the, 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 the pressure of just, you know, getting, hopping into bed before you're married is this thought that, oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work. It's going to bring me this feeling of being loved. Yeah, it will for a minute. But it, won't, it will take you to a deeper pit that you don't want to, you're not going to be able to get out of. And that's why the Bible's saying, hey, listen to truth. Listen to this chance of crying out to God. Listen to God as you go through it. Most affairs happen as a result of people trying to get out of an unhappy relationship without trusting God in that relationship they're in. Say, so, you know, oh, the affair is so exciting and thinking about it, it's just amazing. And it is for that moment until you end up just as empty, just as lost, just as hopeless at the end. And you're still in a deeper pit than you were. So he's saying, while you're in the pit, if you're in that pit, he says, please, and I'm pleading with you the same thing. Look at what, look at what he says to do. Stay in that place of, of calling out to God, trusting God that, you know, for better, for worse, maybe you're in for worse, for poor, you know, in sickness, and they're almost dead. Maybe you're almost dead. You know, that's the strength of what you promised. Trust God that he's going to work in you in spite of or, or through that. We don't have a, a ton of time this morning. I'm just going to give you the last couple thoughts in, in uh, real point um, form. Um, and we're going to take communion together this morning, but um, in Psalm 40, verse 5, he says he reminds himself of God's wonders and God's greatness. He reminds himself. He starts saying, hey, this is, this is the goodness of God. Um, you know, last week we had a power outage. Some of you had, you know, no power for five minutes. You're like, oh, what are we going to do? Some of you had no power for 18 hours. Let me tell you, I talked to the guy in Cuba, no power for 18 hours. And you know what he didn't tell me? He didn't say, yeah, I took out all my light bulbs and threw them in the garbage. I took all my appliances and pushed them to the end of the driveway. He's like, I just gave up. You know, there's no, you got no power anyways. What's, what are we going to do? And some of you are like that. You know, you feel like, oh, God's just kind of, there's no power in your life. You don't feel him anymore. Pfft, pack it all in. Just push it to the curb. You know, there's, it, it doesn't work. Can I tell you something? In, in, in our own thought here, what, why didn't he do that? Because he fully expected the power is going to come back on in his life. No matter how long it might take, it's going to come back on. I would want to encourage you the same thing. Maybe you've got to pour out the ice cream in your life. You know, maybe some of those things that, that didn't all survive it. But you know what? The power will come back on in your life again if you trust in God and waiting on him. Uh, you know, uh, one of the things too is that sometimes we look at our problems and think they're huge. Do you realize that our problems, the trials, the things you're going through are microscopic compared to what the people from the Bible went through? When's the last time you were beaten for, for going to Kingsway Church? Severely beaten. Not just somebody, you know, made fun of you at school. <laughs> you know, when's the last time you were stoned? Not that kind. <laughs> but when's the last time you were stoned for, uh, for using the name of Jesus? When's the last time you were shipwrecked for three days because you were on a missions trip? You know, when's the last time that, that you were beaten with rods and then with whips just because you were trying to share the love of Christ with somebody? doesn't happen. Do you know what's also sad is that our problems are microscopic compared to what's going on in most of the world around us. Some of you are complaining you can't pay your cable bill, and we have people starving to death today. We think, oh God, we got, we're in so deep, this trouble Oh, it's so huge. But it's our perspective sometimes that needs to change. And what's even sadder than that is that we've, all of us have probably heard that more than once, and it no longer phases us. You know, God's reawakening that in my life that there's a world around us that we have to do something with, that there are justice things that need to be taken care of, that we have all the power and resources in our country to do, and we we focus so much on what we don't have here, we forget we're the richest people on the planet, the richest 1% of people on the planet. Stop telling God how big your problem is. Start telling your problems how big God is. He's huge. He can handle it. The last two thoughts, David obeyed God. And the message says, doing something for you or bringing something to you, that's not what you're after. Being religious and acting pious is not what you want. He says, when uh, God's word entered my life, it became very part of my being. He says, I began to uh, obey and trust you. And it's not just obeying God's rules. It's just, just saying, I'm doing life with you, God. It's me and you. We're in this. Some of you feel like the song, how long, how long, how long do I get to sing this song? How long am I going to be in this place? But he says, you know what, God? It doesn't matter how long the answer takes to get here. I'm sticking with this. I'm sticking with you because it's that faithfulness that's coming in your life. And the last one, it just says he rejoiced in God. (laughs) He rejoiced in God when God rescued him from the pit. Remember, he says, you know, you rescued me from the pit. But when's he singing that? He's singing it while he's in a pit. There's a story in Acts chapter 16 of two guys named Paul and Silas who said they they were preaching the gospel, just living for Jesus. And out of that, he says, they get arrested, they get severely beaten. They get put in prison. And just so, in the, they, they put them in the central dungeon, the worst part of the prison. They put their legs in stocks, And they said, make sure these guys aren't getting away. You think they're in a pit? Yeah, they're in a pit. Here's these guys just doing what they were supposed to do for God. And they end up in this wretched place. It says at midnight, the darkest hour. It says, what are they doing? They're singing and praying, giving thanksgiving. And they're singing loud enough that the other prisoners can hear them. And a miracle happens. God shakes that prison, opens those doors, sets prisoners free. Why? Because they they brought a sacrifice of praise, and they didn't feel like it. Maybe this morning you're standing here like I don't want to sing oh, four songs. Oh, which one are we on? Hun? Which one was that? Two, three? Oh, you know, when's it over? I would encourage you to say when you come here you don't feel like praising God. Maybe you, you wake up Monday morning you don't feel like praising God to begin to sing and begin to remind yourself of who He is, how great God is. To begin to sing those things out because you know what happens? Freedom happens in your life. Then the sacrifice of praise brought them freedom for them, for others. And it says that the whole the jailer he he came to know the the, the Lord and his whole family. Why? Because you know in the in the pit you're in, there's others who are going to be affected by how you deal with being in the pit that you're in. So this morning, no matter what that pit is realize that you can trust God, wait on God, call out to God, hope in God, obey God, rejoice in God through that time, and watch this pit experience be completely different than the last. And I can promise you this too, that based on Psalm 40, this won't be the last. Unless you die today, this might be your last pit. But in all likelihood, that's not going to happen. There'll be another one to face. My prayer and heart is, maybe you're here today, and you're like, yeah, Mark, I'm good, and I'm not in a pit. You know, life's good. I just want to remind you with the words of Jesus that it's coming. <laughs> it is. Like, well, you know, if you're a follower of Jesus, trouble's coming. Like, well, I'm not a follower of Jesus, then trouble's coming. Just, uh, you can do this one with Him or without Him. And you know, it's a, the, the amazing thing is that, that what Jesus did on the cross is what gives us the strength to start with, that we can have the opportunity to do life with God. Would you join me, Father? Thank you for, uh, again, this chance that we have to remember you, celebrate you. May we take that with us um, and, and that that thought, as we live today for you, as we live this week with you, uh, God, I, I just pray that for those this morning who find themselves in, in, in deep waters, that uh, God you begin to just uh, strengthen them as they, as they live out your word as, as uh, they do life with you. And I just pray that there'd be incredible freedom in their lives as a result and in the lives of those around them as they 're just obedient to you. Uh, God, I thank you for your love and your peace and your hope. may it flood their their lives and their homes as uh, as they go from this place. And may they shine bright for you in the world uh, as, they, uh, as they do life uh, wherever they may find themselves. And I thank you for that, Father. It's in your amazing and wonderful name we pray. Amen.